Okay, uh, Mark chapter 8 here this morning as we get started, if you'll find your place in Mark chapter 8. I mean, you had scary dreams last night. I figured you did. Yeah, caterpillars? Is that what it was? Or no, something different. Okay, that's all right. Okay, in the morning times, I'd like to preach to you um, about this, this title for the series, Christ Makes the Difference. Christ Makes the Difference. Okay, so that's what we're going to focus on, focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and how great that He is in Mark chapter number 8. And this morning, if Christ is going to make the difference in your life, how many of you can say already, just in, in the life that God has allowed you to live thus far on earth, that you can see that that, that is very true, Christ has made the difference. You agree with that? Christ has already made a difference in your life. And uh, what we want you to see here this week of camp is that that will be true through the rest of your life. Christ makes the difference. He makes the difference. Okay, so this morning, I want you to think about this with me. Number one, that if Christ is going to make the difference, you must know who He is. You've got to know Him. And thank God you can know Him. Let's read about it in uh, Mark chapter 8 uh, here together. Let's stand in honor of God's Word. Let you... Stand and stretch there just a minute, but mainly in honor of God's Word as we read together. Let's begin reading in verse number 22, Mark 8, verse number 22. Okay. In fact, the song we just sung about what does it cost to follow the Lord will fit very well with uh, the two chapters that we're going to consider in the morning times, Mark 8 and Mark 9. Okay, so it says in verse number 22, And he cometh to Bethsaida... And they bring him a blind man. They bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as what? Trees. I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands, what's the next word? Again. Okay, so he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man, what? Clearly. He saw every man how? Clearly. He saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Verse 27, and he went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. By the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But some say, Elias, and others, one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? That's one of the most important questions you'll answer in life. Who is Jesus? Whom say ye that I am? And watch this, I love it. And Peter answereth and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. Hey, Peter got it right. Anytime Peter gets it right, we ought to like rejoice. 
Because this is a big day in class for Peter. He got the right answer. All right? Now look at this. He says, and he charged them that they should tell no man of him. Okay, remember back with the blind man? They said, now don't, don't go and tell that just yet. And here Jesus says, tell no man of him. And he began to teach them, and so then Peter's going to get it wrong. The very next lesson, he totally messed up. But right here, we're going to rejoice because Peter got it right. When he said, thou art the Christ. Christ makes the difference. But you've got to know who he is. Okay, thank you. Maybe may be seated. We'll get right into the message here this morning. There's a danger in the Christian life that we would live a Christless Christianity. That's ironic. You know, so many times we can, uh, we can, we can come to church and, and uh, just kind of go through the motions. And, and watch this now. Totally leave Christ out of it. Do you know what I mean by that? We can get focused on so many other things. Um, Brother Ryan was sharing with me that uh, the youth group uh, there, help me out, Brother Ryan, Liberty, yes, uh, has been focusing on Christ on Wednesday nights. And so that's wonderful. So this will really just reinforce that. What are some of the, uh, in the morning times, I really want to get you along the way, maybe not every morning and all the, all the morning, but I want to get a little bit of interaction. So it's a little bit of a different approach than, than maybe we'll take in nighttime and the preaching and so forth. But what can we get our attention on other than Christ, even in the church setting? Can you help me out? Just raise your hand and let me call on you. Maybe some things that we get confused about. Lexi? Some friends. Okay, great. Great to have friends. It is. And that's wonderful. Very, very true. Yes, sir. A phone. Okay, very true. Yeah, you could get focused on your phone. That's not good, right? During church time, for sure. Yes, sir. Ministries. Hey, and that's wonderful, isn't it? Are you involved in some ministries and such? Okay, what, like what, what type of ministry do you get to be involved in? Sunday school class, singing, fantastic. Th- those are great things, great things. What else can we get focused on here in church things? Yes, internet, absolutely. Okay, we can get our distraction off of that. And, and let me put those two together. You know, even in a church in modern times, we can get focused on technology. You know, and, it's, and we can be wowed by technology. And there's not anything wrong with technology. Okay, nothing wrong with ministry. In fact, it's good. Friends, I'm all for them. Yep, I've got two at least. <laughs> okay, what else? I mean, what else comes to mind that maybe comes to help? Yes, numbers. Okay, true. We we can get our focus by that. I think you're you're meaning like we had this many on the bus today. Yep. Have any of you ever been on a bus and you way exceeded the capacity of that bus? Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Okay. Not legal, but exciting. So. <laughs> Uh, man, yeah, we can get focused on numbers. Very good answer. Okay, let's keep going here. There may be a few other things that you can get focused on. Anything else that just immediately comes to mind? If not, that's okay. Um, how, about, how about this, rules? You think? I mean, you know what you can do, what you can't do, and, and all those things. And I, and I get that too. Okay, now let me ask you something. Does all of these things have a place in our, in our lives? Most definitely. Okay, but, but here's the thing I want you to get in the mornings. It's not numbers. It's not technology. It's not even friends. It's not any of these things that will make the difference in your life. But I'll tell you who will. Jesus, who is the Christ. And if you'll focus on him, do you realize there are 569 references to just the title Christ in the New Testament? That ought to tell you something. That we ought to focus 
on who he is. And, and so what, what I want you to see is that he needs to be, watch this, the very center of your life. I, I mean to tell you that you, you ought to really focus on loving him and, and knowing him. I mean, I mean, for real, for real. You know, not, not just singing about it and, and not just knowing that, but, but listen, don't miss, don't miss the Christ of Christianity the true Christ of the Bible. Focus on Him. Love Him. You can get to know who He is and He knows who you are. And listen, you can have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I I came to church. My mom, you know, kept me in church. My dad wasn't in church while I was growing up, but my mom kept me in church, and I'm so grateful to God for that. I was saved at the age of eight, and I was really excited about the Lord. I remember going back to my third grade class and even into the fourth grade and witnessing, you know, for the Lord and trying to bring people to church. Hey, I was excited about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then during my junior high years, my, oh, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, part of my ninth grade year, I really, even though I was in church, I wasn't really focused on Jesus. You get what I'm saying to you? Since I've been pastoring, there's been times that I can get focused on other things, on numbers, and on a lot of other things, on ministries, and try to make sure that we have meaningful ministries going on. But here's what God has to do many, many times. Bring me back simply to this truth, who Jesus is, and to love him, to love him, to really, truly love and worship him. Because he's supposed to be the very center of life. My, um, my neighbor had a puzzle, and maybe you, you know, you've done some of those puzzles before where it has a bunch of numbers on the outside of it. And so this, this one had seven pieces and one in the center. And so they were six-sided figures, you know, and so it had the numbers one through six in varying orders. Okay, so you might, one piece would have like one, three, five, two, four, six. Okay, everybody with me so far? All right, And so the object of this puzzle, of this game, is you're supposed to make all the numbers match up wherever the number's touched. Okay, so you'd have to go 1 to 1, 3 to 3, 5 to 5, 2 to 2, 4 to 4, 6 to 6. But then anywhere else they touched at whatever those angles were, all the numbers had to match. Okay, and so the, the object was you've got to find which one goes in the center. And it's enough to make you pull your hair out. You say, you must have played a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was frustrating because you'd get all excited about it because all the numbers were matching up and you're thinking, oh man, I just cracked the code there. I figured it out. I figured it out. Ah! One piece off, one number off, you know, it's just, oh, come on. Well, finally, I figured out which one it was, Matthew, that went in the middle and, and I took a picture of it my, with my phone so I'd always remember it. <laughs> it's cheating, right? Okay, anyways, but I know which one now goes in the center. And, but here's the deal. Once you get that piece in the center, all the other pieces find their place. Can I tell you this morning, there's only one person. Are you listening to me this morning? Say amen. There's only one person who is worthy to be in the very center of your life, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And once you get him in the center, everything else in your life can find its place. You know, it's great that you play sports and you have an interest there, but listen to me this morning. Sports should not be the very center of your life. 
Hey, it's great that you have friends. I'm, I'm grateful to God for those. But your friends can't be the very center of your life. It's great if your parents are in agreement and, and everything is right about relationships that you'd have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We might preach a little bit about that along the way here as well. Totally fine. And, and I remember sitting beside uh, Angie, uh, who's now my wife, you know, in, in teen camp. And man, that was a big deal to get to sit beside her and all that stuff. But listen, here's what I found. I could not make her the center of my life. She has a very prominent place, a very important place, and I love my wife very, very much. Okay, But, but here's, here's the deal. If I love Jesus most, then everything else finds its place around there. William Randolph Hearst was a very wealthy man, and he had a lot of uh, portraits, paintings that were uh, very much sought after in the world, but there was one that he was wanting to find. So he sent out one of his agents everywhere to try to find this one very expensive portrait, and, and so his agent went out, he tried to find it, and for like a month he could not find it. Finally, he came back to William Randolph Hearst, and he said, hey, I found it. You did, all this great. Where was it? He said this. It was in your storehouse the whole time. You already had it. You know what we can do as Christians? You can leave Christ and think you can find meaning and purpose and fulfillment somewhere out there in in the world, when if you already have Jesus as your Savior, you already have the most most precious and most important person of this life, the Lord Jesus Christ. He ought to be prominent. Okay, so look back at the text here. I want you to see in in Mark 8 what's going on here because Christ has been anticipated for for many years. I mean, Moses said a prophet would come after me and and all these things. And so here in in, um, Mark 8, if you look at verse number 1, you see that in those days the multitude being very great, having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him. And so this is the feeding of the 4,000. The feeding of the 4,000. He had already had the feeding of the 5,000. By the way, 5,000 men. That doesn't count, you know, their wives and their kids. And you know they had a bunch of kids back then. Okay, so there's a lot of people. Some say there's upwards of 10,000 or more who were gathered there, and he fed them. And somebody said, you know, I don't know that he actually, like, really fed them to where they were full. He just used psychology. Well, they took up 12 baskets full of psychology then. No, they actually ate, and the, and the disciples left with a to-go box. One for every one of them, 12 baskets, 12 disciples, all right? But here's the deal. That was with the Jews. This time, he's the, it's the feeding of the 4,000, and it's the Gentiles. So the Jews and the Gentiles. He came first to the Jews, but he also came to the Greeks. He came to the Gentiles, and he's the answer for both. He's the answer for both. And he's sufficient for both. He's everything that they need. He's everything that you need. And if you don't believe he's sufficient, just watch how much you get to take home. You get what I'm saying? Okay, so there's some of the context here. Now, the next part is that they're getting in the boat and going back to the other side. And and so the disciples, we didn't read this part, but the disciples, they forgot to bring bread. Well, the I'm sorry, let me back up just a minute. Jesus had interacted with the Pharisees, and they wanted this. They wanted a sign. They said, give us a sign that you are the Son of God. Give us a sign that you are the Messiah. And he didn't give them a sign because he's sufficient. You get what I'm saying to you? 
Okay, so then the disciples, he says to them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees because they want a sign. He's saying, listen, don't seek after a sign. Sometimes you say, you know, if Jesus would just like do something in the sky, then I'd believe him. Hey, listen, he doesn't have to do that. He is who he is, and you ought to believe him for who he is and who his word declares him to be. That's sufficient right there. Okay, so he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. The disciples thought, ah, it's because we forgot to bring bread. Okay, and so you can read that later in the first part of Mark 8. And Jesus says, wait, have I been with you this long, and yet you still don't understand? You have eyes, you can read this, you, you have eyes to see, and yet you don't see. You have ears to hear, and yet you don't hear. And he's talking to his disciples. In other words, you don't quite yet get what, who I am. Blind man, okay? The blind man, they bring him to Jesus. Can I get a volunteer? It's my volunteer, young man maybe. Just right here, what's your name again? Andrew, okay, Andrew, come, okay. Can you be blind? There you go. Come closer, come closer, closer, <laughs> closer, closer. Okay, good, oh, watch out. Isn't it, okay, whoa, stop. <laughs> you're doing really good as a blind man. You know, it's really, you're at a great disadvantage being a blind man. You know, because uh, obviously you can't see. We had a, close your eyes. Oh, uh, we, had, we had a blind man at our church who played the piano. Absolutely, am- you can open them here for this part. Absolutely amazing. I mean to tell you, and, and you know, we would actually get Brother Dale helping us. He'd help us to, you know, put tables away and put chairs away. He'd even help us to vacuum. <laughs> See, how did he do that? We would put him like in one place and we'd let him vacuum in a circle like this. And then we'd move him to another place. He's like, that's me. No, he just wanted to be involved in help. He was a great guy. Sometimes door knocking, you know, he'd go door knocking and I would be his partner. And, you know, I'm leading him. And when you're leading a blind guy, just put your hand on my arm kind of like this right here. Okay, not to be weird. Okay, that's good. And so I would lead him. And sometimes I'd forget, you know, that he couldn't see. And I'd go down the step and I'd forget to tell him about it. You know, <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> but he had some advantage even at the door because, you know, he might be a real scary guy at the door. But he wouldn't know. I mean, because he can't see, you know, the guys, all the... It looked like he fell in a tackle box, you know, with so many piercings and everything, and, and he's just a really rough-looking guy. But it didn't matter to him because he's blind. So there's some advantage, but then there's disadvantage. One time I was eating with Brother Dale, and I, well, I'd taken him through the line, and I got an apple pie, and he was so excited. I'd tell him, you know, what the desserts were. And he was so excited about that apple pie. And we were sitting there and eating, and I was across the table from him. And I, and I, I tell you the truth, I lie not, that I, I accidentally grabbed his pie. I ate his whole pie. <laughs> and then I saw him feeling like this to try to find his pie. And I thought, oh, no. I said, Brother Dale, I am so sorry. I ate your pie. And so I'll go back and get you one. And I went back, and they were all gone. <laughs> Isn't that mean? So here was a blind man, okay, blind. Okay? He can't see. Now, now get what Jesus does. Jesus took him out of the city, let him out of the city. And then the Bible says that he spit in his eyes. <laughs> okay, I'm not for real going to do that. But he, he took spit and, here, close your eyes. <laughs> he touched his eyes. And then he said this, okay, how do you see? You kind of open your eyes. And he said, I, I see men, but they're like trees walking. Did you get what he said? He said, I, I see men, 
they're rather big men. Okay? And then the Bible says that Jesus touched his eyes. What? Again. Okay, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just stop right there and, and don't just read past these things. But you got to stop and think, hold on. You mean like a miracle that Jesus did didn't work? Is that what's going on? Did, did Jesus say, oops, <laughs> let me try this again. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> keep trying. Is that what it is? How many of you say, I don't, I don't believe that's what it was? Okay, very good. Then you got the right answer, all right? So there must be something else that this is teaching us. Okay, so then he did. He touched his eyes a second time, and then there's one word in there that I really wanted you to get that he said, okay, now how do you see? And he said, I see all men how? Clearly. Very good. Okay, go and tell no man about this, okay? All right. He said, I see all men clearly. Now, the very next scene is where Jesus asked his disciples, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do men say that I am? And what were some of the answers that they gave? Somebody raise your hand and let me call on you. What did they say? John the Baptist. Now, why would they think John the Baptist? Maybe because when John the Baptist came, he preached with great power and authority and, and said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, you know. And Jesus came and preached very strongly as well. Okay, Lexi? <laughs> Rewind. <laughs> One of the what? One of the prophets, and so it could have been, you know, one of the um, Micah or Nahum, one of those that just preached again with authority. Yes, what, what's your name again? Is it Michael? Joshua. Joshua? Okay, good. What, what did they say? Elias. Elias. Okay, good, which would be Elijah. And remember what Elijah did? Fire coming down from heaven, great miracles. What has Jesus been doing? Miracles. That's exactly right, okay? So we've got John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets. Was there somebody else mentioned? Say again. Others, okay, very true. Okay, so what, what were they saying? Okay, you're getting there. You're getting there. John the Baptist, Elijah, or one of the prophets. Well, would you say this? Those are some pretty significant men. Almost like maybe they would be like trees. <laughs> okay, <laughs> some of you are looking at me like... Huh? I mean, you know, like if somebody's, um, we might say, man, he's, he's like an oak. He's like a, a big oak tree. He's, he's a, a significant man. Blind man. I see men like trees walking. Jesus asks, whom do men say that I am? They say you're like John the Baptist or Elijah, or one of the prophets. In other words, they see you that you're not like a normal man. They see that you're quite significant, but they don't quite see, what's the word? Clearly. But then Jesus asks this, who do you say that I am? And Peter got it right. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God in Matthew 16. It records it that way. Thou art the Christ. No, Stop and think about what he just said. He just said, you're the promised one. You're the anointed one. You're the one who we've been waiting for all long, all this time. 
He said, we see clearly. And you know what I believe the, the blind man illustrates? is how that Jesus is willing to touch our lives and to touch our lives and to touch our lives. And it does, not, it does not mean that he doesn't have power to show who he is. It's just that we are so dull in our seeing and our hearing and being able to understand who he really is. But thank God that Jesus is willing to give you a devotion and then another devotion and then a preaching message and even a trial at times and then use a song and then use a friend and he's doing it. It's like he's touching your life and touching your life and touching your life so that you could see clearly who he is. Well, I want to thank God that he did that in my life. And he's still doing that. That I might see just how great he is. You know, some people in their greatness, they think they're way too great for you. You know what I mean? You ever met somebody famous? Uh... Brother Michael just showed me a picture. Brother Michael Jones, uh, many of your pastor, just came across Anthony Davis. You know, unibrow man. Uh, played for Kentucky. That's my home state, so, you know, I'm kind of glad about that. But, he, I mean, he evidently posed, took a picture, kind of a neat picture that uh, Brother Michael showed me yesterday. We were in, uh, in Oklahoma City. Of course, we lived there. But it was back when the, uh, actually, when the Lakers were, uh, we were in the playoffs together. So this is great, Brother Ryan. But Andrew Bynum, you remember Andrew Bynum? Andrew Bynum was on the team at the time. And so we were starting our vacation. So this would have been, you know, like uh, May or June, somewhere right in there. I guess it would have been May, actually, since his playoffs. And so, anyways, we went to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> you got Dunkin' Donuts out here? Okay, so America runs on Dunkin' Donuts. And so we were starting our vacation, you know, with Dunkin' Donuts. And, and my son, who is an absolute huge basketball fan, uh, am I telling the truth, Brother Michael? I mean, he's just all out basketball and Thunder basketball in particular. But anyways, that's beside the point. So <laughs> we were there in Dunkin' Donuts, and my son, Tyler, said, Dad, Andrew Bynum just got out of that Thunder cab. So ironic. It was a Thunder cab. We have what's called Thunder cabs around there. You know, they're just a cab, you know, just like any other cab, but it says Thunder cab. So here's a L.A. Laker getting out of a Thunder cab. <laughs> Anyways, so he said, Dad, there's Andrew Bynum. And I thought, what would Andrew Bynum be doing at Dunkin' Donuts? But he got out of that cab, and then I watched as he walked in the door at Dunkin' Donuts. Like that, seriously, he ducked to get in. And I thought, that is Andrew Bynum. <laughs> and he had like the L.A. Lakers, you know, pants, warm-up pants on. And I said, hey, go get his autograph. So we grabbed, you know, a napkin. That's all we had. <laughs> <laughs> went up to Andrew Bynum, and my little boy, I guess at this time he's maybe 10 or something like that. I can't remember exactly what year it was. He's 10 or 11, somewhere right in there, and he hands the paper up to Andrew Bynum, and then Bynum does this. He shook him off. He said, I thought, that's so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> a lady tried to take a picture with him. He said, had his headphones on. I thought... That is so wrong. You think you're too good? <laughs> you're too good for the Dunkin' Donuts clientele? <laughs> I don't know how many donuts he ate that night, but they lost, and I was so glad. <laughs> he thought he was too good for us. Another sports illustration, I'm sorry, but we went, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan, so we're in Atlanta. I know I'm not making a lot of friends here, but that's all right. But Hey, all right, who said that? Bless your heart. Right there, my friend, Joshua. You're a blessing, brother. Okay. And so we're there, 
And, and my little boy, Trenton, this time, we were trying to get some autographs. We're in Atlanta, so we had a real good chance of doing so. And so we got, you know, different ones to come and sign the ball and everything. But one of them was a guy named Jake Westbrook. And Jake Westbrook pitched in game six of the 2011 World Series where they just barely won the game. It's the best game of history in baseball. Anyways, and so, but my little boy is there, and, and we had taken the pen that was from the hotel, you know, and he hands the ball and the pen to Jake Westbrook, number 35 for the Cardinals. And Westbrook takes the ball and he's talking to us. He's interacting. Actually, he's a believer, so it's really neat to get to talk to him. And he looked at the pen and he looked at my little boy, who was probably three at the time, and he said, did you take this from the hotel? <laughs> he said, oh, that's no problem. I do it all the time. You know, so he <laughs> signed the ball. And, I mean, we had a great time interacting. And uh, he said, where are y'all from? And I said, Oklahoma City. He said, oh, good. I hope they beat the Lakers. It was the same year that we... we <laughs> So, I mean, it was, it was awesome. We interacted. Now, now, think about it. Here's a guy who helped their team to win a World Series, and yet he's kidding around interacting with a three-year-old. Isn't that awesome? Let me tell you something that doesn't even compare. The one who made the mountain that you hiked this morning, the one who made the stars and the sky and all creation. And if you've traveled this country, you've seen some amazing sights from the Grand Canyon to the Rocky Mountains to the Great Plains of Oklahoma. Hey, whoa, wait a minute. I'm telling you, a great and mighty God, one that I can't even this morning begin to explain to you who he is, but I sure like to try. He knows you. And it's not like you came trying to find him. He comes looking for you. And you can know him. Listen, he is the Christ. He is the answer. There is no other answer. He is the answer. And you are privileged to know who he is. And you can see clearly who he is. And I tell you what that ought to make us want to do. Just fall down and worship him and praise him and live for him, and don't let anybody else become the center of your life because he's the Christ. And Christ makes the difference when you know who he is. I like coffee. I'm among coffee friends here. I like Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I got Josh going on two things. That's awesome. I tell you what. I was working in my office actually on this series of messages about the Christ. Brother Dale, who also is a, is a big coffee connoisseur and a fan of Starbucks, came over the uh, announcement system or intercom, whatever, in our church and said, fresh Starbucks coffee now being served in the break room. I left my study and made my way there directly. Now, you can understand why, but I, I thought about it this way. I left the study of Christ for Starbucks coffee. Doesn't even compare, does it? Hey, listen, keep Jesus the very center of your life. Nothing and no one else even comes close to how great, just how really, truly great that he is.
And Father, I thank you that these young people are about to come into your presence.